glory be to God. Um, I've asked my wife, Sarah Hazel, to pray for us in just a moment, but I want to share something that the Lord just put into my heart during that, uh, that time of worship. If you were feeling something invading even in a sense your heart and your home if you were feeling an infusion of some kind of encouragement or power just now don't dismiss that that was the lord jesus Amen. christ that was the risen lord with his risen power i was praying as we were worshiping and i saw an image i had a mental image um just like you would have if you have a thought, but it wasn't one that I had conjured. It was something that the Lord was placing into my mind, a picture. And the picture was as of lightning coming down. It happens in an instant and it happens in the middle of a storm. And you can't actually even see the lightning. In fact, if you're not close to it, all you'll do is you'll hear it. You'll hear it from far distant. But if you've ever been close when lightning strikes, it's so bright and so powerful that uh, it, it it's a flash that, that just illuminates everything in an instant. But if you've ever had the opportunity to look at one of those um, uh, slow motion recordings, you'll see that not only does the lightning come down from the sky, but there are these streamers, these trailers that come up from the earth. In other words, there's a charge that rises up from the earth to meet what is coming down from the sky. I had a sense as we were worshiping just now that like a vine flowing life to its branches, like lightning coming down from the sky, the Lord was distributing and disseminating Hallelujah. hope and power to his people. There is something that we raise up. There's something that in the lifting up of our arms is an openness and expression of readiness. It's small and it's weak because we are small and weak, but he is great and strong and he reaches down to meet us in the middle. He goes more than halfway, amen? amen. In fact, he went all the way to reach us, but there is something powerful and profound about reaching up to him. And that's what we do every time that we gather, every time that we worship, every time that we pray, we, we, we lift up the arms that were hanging down. And Jesus in Revelation said, I see, I see that you've only got a little bit of strength, but I'm going to reach out, take hold of your hand and give my strength to you to strengthen the arms that hang down so that they could rise up, lift up and give praise to the Lord. So there was a real transmission of God's power to you today. And if you experience that, give thanks to him for it. And don't, Hallelujah. don't doubt it because it's an evidence of God's presence. We We're going to pray once again. Uh, as an acknowledgement of what God is doing. And Hazel's going to lead. Hallelujah. In Revelation 1, verse 17 and 18, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have keys of hates and of death. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you that even this morning we hear you say to us, come, seek my face, open your heart, receive eternal life. I am the living God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have conquered sin and death. And thank you for eternal life. Amen. And so, Lord, here we are. We come. We come and say, open up our hearts yes. to receive eternal life. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for your love and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yes. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask if my kids will come over as well. We want to all greet you. Happy Easter morning. Happy Resurrection Day. Um, We're so pleased that we get to have this uh, opportunity to share a smile and a wave every time we have a service together. Hey, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Happy Easter. Easter. Even though we can't see you, I can sense it. You're out there smiling and waving at us. And uh, you know what? Take a take a group shot uh, later today and post it to our Facebook page or uh, send it, text it to us or whatever. We'll put a collage together uh, as a, a way to share the happy smiling faces of PCF family everywhere. Will you do that today? We love you. We love, love you. you. God bless you all. Well, once again, just a reminder, we'll have uh, communion together. Uh, that's something that we're doing at all of our services uh, during this time of uh, uh, physical distancing. And um, uh, we uh, do that as, first of all, remembrance of the Lord. As I've mentioned before, you can't take communion too much. You can't overdose on the things of the Lord. Praise God that that's true. You can take communion too little, but you can't take it too much. Um, I've mentioned this before also, but again, we may have guests with us today, and so it's worth repeating that there is something very right and righteous about partaking of communion in your home. Sometimes people may feel like, am I uh, doing the right thing? Am I worthy to prepare communion? You absolutely are. Every follower of Jesus Christ is a priest of Jesus Christ. The Lord has called us all to be priests, prophets, and kings. That's a, a, a Old Testament kind of way of phrasing the reality of the identity that we've been called to in Christ. As we're anointed by his spirit, we are anointed to carry out the works of the Lord to which we are called. And one of those works is to remember his presence in our midst by partaking of the body and blood of Christ, the bread and the cup, even as he shared with his disciples on that last night before his sacrifice. And so every time that we gather together and do that, we do it in remembrance of him. And in doing so, not only are we unified with him by his spirit, but we are made uh, unified as one together. And so what a wonderful thing to be doing in these days when we can't be physically present with one another, we can have that bread and we can have that cup. Those are also a means of healing grace to us. The scripture talks about how partaking of the body and blood of Jesus Christ not only affords us this symbolic assurance of eternal life in him, which it most certainly does, but also affords us the mysterious and yet magnificently powerful impartation of his physical presence to us in a way that brings about spiritual and physical blessing. And what a needful thing that is at all times, but especially in these days when we're so aware of the frailty of human life and the, uh, the, the pandemic that is around us. It's a good time to not only plead the blood of Jesus upon your life and your home, but to receive the blood and body of Christ into your very being. So we'll do that today. If you do have... Um, the bulletin available to you. You may want to take a look at it. I'll share with you some things that are on there. For one thing, you know that every uh, every evening at 7 p.m. Pacific, that's 1,900 hours military or 24-hour time, 
Every 1900 hours or 7 p.m., we're engaging in our COVID-1900 prayer initiative, carrying on victorious in destiny. If you can get past the corniness of using an acronym to get to the place where we recognize there's a spiritual value in this, and the spiritual value is that we are renaming what we are experiencing right now. We're not denying the reality of COVID-19. But what we are saying is there's a deeper reality, there's a greater reality, there's a brighter reality over it. King of kings and Lord and lords who is crowned over this coronavirus even. And that reality is that we have a destiny in Christ and that destiny cannot be shaken. Even if everything else around us is shaken, even when we ourselves are shaken, our destiny in Christ cannot be shaken. You know what was shaken? On the cross, when Jesus died, the ground was shaken. In the temple, the, the curtain was torn. In the grave on resurrection day, the stone was rolled away, even as we just uh, sang. And so all those things can be shaken, but what can't be shaken is the unshakable kingdom of Christ and the unshakable word of truth that is his. That's what we're praying into. That's the certainty that we're praying from. That's the power by which we pray during our COVID-1900 prayer initiative. And so on this week's bulletin, you can see our, uh, I don't know if this is backwards for you, it may be, oh no, I think it's right side. What I'm seeing on my screen is right side, so hopefully you can see that. Uh, tonight, April 12th, we're gonna be praying for resurrection joy. Uh, and I don't say that blithely or, or in any way that uh, is meant to be disrespectful of the reality that a lot of people are suffering right now. There are people that are very, very ill. There are people that are fighting for life. There are people who are mourning death. There are people who are going through struggles that aren't necessarily even related to COVID-19, but that are related to the circumstances of their life. There's people in depression, people struggling with disease, people in debt, people who've lost their jobs or don't know where their finances are coming from. But today is resurrection day. Today is a day to be reminded that all of those things are shakable but the Lord is not. All of those things are perishable, even death itself, but the Lord who was dead is alive forevermore. And so we are praying that resurrection joy would permeate all those circumstances that we've just described. That people who are struggling for life would receive life and resurrection joy with it. That people who are mourning death would receive comfort and resurrection joy with it. That people who don't know what tomorrow holds would know who holds tomorrow and receive resurrection joy in and from him. And that today would not be diminished in its full glory because the full glory of Jesus Christ is on display today. Throughout the week, we'll be continuing to pray. We're gonna make Mondays an open prayer focused night. Turn to the person next to you and say, I get to hear from the Lord on Monday about what to pray for. I get to hear from the Lord on Monday about what to pray for. We're going to do that every Monday. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. I think it's great that we have this uh, this opportunity to come together in common focus of prayer every night at 7 p.m. I've been seeking the Lord for those prayer focuses. I've opened up uh, to the pastoral team and other elders and leaders to share um, focus points that they may feel the Lord's put on their heart. You can do that too. Let us know. Send an email to mypcf. Uh, excuse me, info at mypcf.org and you can share a prayer request or a suggestion for prayer or you can text or call me uh, or post it on our Facebook page or text Hazel uh, or your ministry leader. 
and um, and we can uh, all be hearing from the Spirit. But every Monday, we're going to let the Lord guide us in, in our individual gatherings. Uh, if you're doing this as a family or with others, I know some people are doing FaceTime or, or even Zoom calls or just phone calls um, with others and doing it as a group, then in the group, you can um, collectively share what the Lord's putting upon your heart. And every Monday will be that opportunity to hear in a dynamic way. And then throughout the week, we will continue to have prayer focus points. So you'll see these on here. Also, you can find these on our uh, on our webpage. If you go to mypcf.org, you'll see the COVID-1900 prayer initiative slide there on our homepage. Click the more info button and you'll be able to see the week's prayer points every week. Also, I'm disseminating that via text to um, the, the, the ministry team. And uh, also it gets posted on Instagram and Facebook. So it gives you an opportunity to join together with us. Now, some people said, you know, I'm not able to do it at 7 p.m. for various reasons. That's okay. Um, I encourage that, that collaboration in that time period because, again, when we can't be physically present with one another, there's other ways to connect and we can chronologically connect. But it's all right also to pray at different times. In fact, pray without ceasing. Whenever um, you have that opportunity to connect with others and pray or to find that personal time in your prayer closet to pray, uh, do it. The most important thing is that we're praying. And the Lord is hearing prayers. Let's give praise to the Lord this morning that as difficult as things are, and we realize that there are mounting um, tragedies and mounting casualties in the pandemic, nevertheless, things are not as bad as they might have been. Numbers are not as bad as they might have been. And that is something to give thanks to God for. And I do see the hand of the Lord in that. There is answered prayer in that. I want to share a testimony with you a few weeks ago, and I've already mentioned this as a prayer point. There was a man that uh, I was told about, uh, the husband of uh, the co-workers of one of our pastoral team, and he was at death's door. He's my age. He had no pre-existing conditions. He had no chronic health conditions. He um, became infected with the novel coronavirus, developed COVID-19, and very rapidly was one of these cases who uh, was in a very serious condition. He was hospitalized. He was put on a ventilator. He was put in a medically induced coma um, to be sedated. And um, it was very um, uncertain, according to the doctor's prognosis, whether he would survive. And the um, pastoral team member, who is a colleague of the spouse of this man, contacted me and said, would you please be praying? And of course we did. I had opportunity to speak with the man's wife. And uh, obviously she and her family, they have children, very distraught, as any of us would be. I too was distraught. I felt that tremendous sense of inadequacy, of helplessness. You know what I'm talking about. When somebody shares a prayer request and you so desperately want to be a help and you think, what can I do? In moments like that, my normal standard would be to go and be with the family. I would go to see you and be with them, but I couldn't even do that. First of all, um, it would not be wise for me to do that. I didn't know whether I might be exposing them or others to more uh, danger, but also I wouldn't even be allowed admitted, uh, admittance at this time. So I couldn't even be physically present with them. And I felt the frustration of that. Lord, I want to be an encouragement to these folks and I want to see help. What can I do? And the Lord reminded me in that moment, pray. Prayer is not an afterthought. 
prayer is not a, an also. Prayer is not a, well, if only I could do more, but this is all I can do. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is present. In fact, we are more present often in our prayer than we even can be physically. And I was freshly infused in that moment with faith from the Lord. And that faith was this declaration. He will live. That man will live. Declare life over him in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said to me in my spirit. And I did that. And I called his wife and I said, let's do that. And she was a woman of faith. And she said, we are doing that. And the family did that. And we continued to do that. And the days that followed were dark and hard days. He continued to be comatose, continued to be on the ventilator. But what we continued to do was to claim the victory and to declare healing in the name of Jesus Christ over him. And as we did so, there was faith that rose up within us that came from the Lord. And ultimately, over time, as I continued to check in with that family, and of course, there were many others praying as well. Many of you were praying. We prayed for them in our prayer meetings. There began to be good reports. He no longer had to be on the ventilator. There was a concern as they were bringing him out of the sedation, whether he might have brain damage. But we prayed about that, and there was no brain damage. By the way, I want to say that many of our prayers were answered through the faithful and excellent service of the medical team that were caring for him. Praise God for them, and praise God for all those people who are out on the front lines serving as doctors, nurses, medical support staff, and facility workers who are all part of that army that is fighting this battle. May the Lord continue to grace you that are of that number and may the Lord continue to strengthen all of us in our prayers for them and thank God that God answers many of our prayers through them. And so this man continued to get good responses, no brain damage, um, coming back to um, uh, uh, a much more normal state, coming out of the ICU. And yesterday I contacted the family and I said, well, Resurrection Day is almost here and we know that God is doing a glorious work, but let me know what's the latest. And his wife texted me back as a pastor. He came home today. He is home. He's still weak. So we continue to lift him up. His name's Dennis. May the Lord give strength to him and grace to his family. But we thank and praise the Lord for this incredibly good report that there is healing at hand. Also others in our midst, in our congregation who are dealing um, with the diagnosis the Lord has been doing good things there. We have been hearing good reports. Many of them are feeling better. Um, and at the very least, uh, I haven't gotten any report at this point of anyone doing worse. And so we're praising God for that. We continue to lift up our brethren uh, who um, are struggling with this. We thank the Lord for his hand of grace on Pastor Vanita, on Sister Sally, on Sister Leanne, on Sister Eden, on Sister Genesis. Um, uh, we thank you that, that there are some who are awaiting test results and we thank you, Lord, that those test results would come back positive, uh, good, positive, I guess not the right word to use in this moment, but you know what I mean to say, there would be good test results and a positive word of the Lord from them. And so uh, if you've got um, ongoing issues um, that uh, involve this, if you've developed symptoms or you need to have testing or you've gotten a diagnosis, let us know so that we can partner in prayer. Don't be afraid. The Lord will see you through this and all of us. Well, I also want to mention that there are things beyond the present moment that we're looking forward to. We still anticipate having Vacation Bible School this summer. We are believing by faith that by July we will be able to do that. And so uh, we will obviously keep you posted. Everything is uh, obviously tentative, but by faith 
we will find a way to do that no matter what the circumstance is. And, um, and at this time, we're believing that it'll, that it'll be a circumstance in which we can be together again. So continue to pray for that. Also, we do have our weekly prayer calls every week at 7 p.m. We've upgraded our Zoom account so that we don't are not limited on time. So we're able to have a full prayer meeting. That's a, a time when you can share, you can talk. Uh, you can also let your face be seen if you would like. And we are also going to have uh, our prayer and fasting meeting the last Wednesday of this month. And we're going to have a, uh, a ministry team meeting on Zoom on Saturday, April 25th. So if you're part of the ministry team, please make a point of that on your calendar. Check in with your uh, ministry team leader. Um, I will be providing the, um, the access information for that. It's going to be at 10 a.m. on Saturday the 25th. And so if you're um, regularly a part of our ministry team meeting, you can be part of that Zoom meeting. I want to turn to the teaching of the word this morning. And in doing so, I'm going to bring us back to our uh, sermon series, The Harvest of Heaven. Now, I began this series just a week ago today on Palm Sunday, and I continued it on Good Friday. But if you weren't with us for either of those services or any of those services, don't worry. Because actually, this series is kind of an extended single message. And so if you were part of them, I'm hoping that what you'll find today is that in this culminating portion, there will be a, a kind of drawing together of everything that we've talked about. But what, um, what you'll find if you haven't been part of those messages is that everything you need to know to be able to benefit from the word that the Lord has for us today will be delivered to you in this sermon. I want to pray uh, that the Lord would uh, guide me in my preaching and in doing so also uh, bring up our our message for today, a message that revolves around this reality. He is risen. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise your name today. We praise you that you are risen, that you are not buried and sealed within a tomb, and that no one who is buried and sealed within a tomb that has put their faith in you will remain in that tomb, that you are the resurrection and the life. And that resurrection life extends beyond just one morning. It reaches throughout history, both forward and backward, throughout all time, even throughout all the cosmos, a powerful reverberating echo of this reality is heard throughout all creation. Christ the Lord is risen today. Even as the Lamb of God who was slain before the founding of the world, so you are the resurrected King who is eternally alive. Now, we pray that by your Spirit and through your written word, you would illuminate for our hearts and minds today what you want to say to the church, to your people, to all these here gathered right now or who at any time through any means will be hearing, reading, or seeing this message. Lord, reach each one of us with your truth. Friends, I pause in this prayer to ask you to make it your prayer in a verbal way. Will you say to the Lord right now, Lord, open my heart and mind to hear your word. Hallelujah. And the answer of the Lord is, I shall. The harvest of heaven. That's our focus in this holy week. And it's a focus that rises to its highest point, its most glorious pinnacle today. But as I mentioned, 
This is a series that we began a week ago. And I want to talk about the Passion Week once again as a point of review, but also as a place of advancing to this culminating point. Something deeper is going on in that last week of Jesus's life. And something deeper is going on right now in our world. Will you repeat that phrase with me? Something deeper is going on. Say this, something better is going down. Something greater is yet to come. Deeper, better, greater. That was the plan of the Lord from the beginning. It was the mission of the Christ, but it was not what his own disciples even understood it to be, much less what the crowd expected it to be. And when things progressed to the place where Jesus, who had been betrayed, was arrested, having been arrested, was beaten, having been beaten, was tried, though he was innocent, was found guilty, and having been led to the place of his death, gave up his life on the cross and went down into a grave. All that his followers could imagine was that everything that they had expected had somehow gone wrong. Or perhaps they had enough faith to understand that God was up to something, but they certainly could not imagine what it was. But what you and I can see now is that something deeper was going on, something better was going down, and something greater was yet to come. But can we see that in our own world? Can we see that in our own, our own lives right now? Friends, make no mistake, this message is not just about looking back to what happened before, although our root goes back to that. It is also about recognizing how that informs the way we're living right now. No matter what you see around you, no matter what you feel within you, no matter how much you may think that the things of the Lord, the promises you had hoped in, the things you had expected have somehow gone wrong or gone astray, there's a different reality in the Lord. And all those who would look to him with faith, even in the darkness of night, will receive a bright light and fresh understanding about what, the God, what God is actually showing. Something greater going on. We've mentioned that this present moment is one in which a lot of people are recognizing that our lives need to go deeper, that the shallowness that we've often lived in, the distraction and the busyness has been disrupted by this global pandemic. It's not just an individual truth, it's true all over the world. But even as our friend, our brother, Pastor Loika Challen has said, if we don't take this opportunity to go deeper in the things of the Lord, how tragic the loss of that opportunity is. So we want to look deeper. We want to look beneath the surface. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at that uh, time on Palm Sunday, those who were cheering his arrival were cheering what they saw on the surface. But the people in the city who didn't even know enough to know Jesus by, by facial recognition said, who is this? The crowds that came with him said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. But even they 
didn't realize that that Jesus of Nazareth was a Christ who would die on the cross. And so this introduces one of the main themes of our series and one of the main realities of the Passion Week message, which is that Jesus is a Christ that the world does not recognize. John chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12 have been a pivotal through line for this teaching. It says that Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world didn't recognize him. That's one of the realities of Palm Sunday. He's coming, and yet he isn't recognized for what he's bringing. He's bringing a truth that is life, but it isn't received well. And when he cleanses the temple and offends the religious authorities, it seals their opinion about him. They determine finally that they're going to bring him to the place of death. And yet Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. He, Jesus, recognized that his hour had come. The hour in which he would be sown as a seed to bring forth a harvest. He came to his own, his own people, and his own people did not receive him. Because Jesus had to die on the cross in order to fulfill the message and mission of the Lord, he became the dying grain on Calvary. And he died with hope in the midst of all of his pain, hope for a harvest. John chapter 12 records the words of Jesus saying this, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Here Jesus is talking about himself, but he's not just talking about himself alone. He's talking about the attitude of life that will be characteristic of all those who do receive his message, who will see him for who he is, who will open to the revelation of Christ Jesus for who and what he is. Jesus is saying, if you would follow me, you'll have to pick up your cross and follow me. What does Jesus mean by that? He means it's a way of living that puts to death the shallowness of our own fleshly perspective and our own human tendencies to be selfish, to judge things according to the surface value, according to the worldly standard, according to what we want, what we think we need, what we desire, to live in our anxieties, in our fears, in our frustrations, according to our pride, our own goals, our own ambitions, to see God, if we see him at all, as only someone or something who exists to help me get what I want to help me feel the way I want to feel, to make me feel better when I'm feeling down, to open doors to me when I can't open them. But what the Lord says is, I'm not here to serve you. I'm here for you to recognize that you were made to serve me. And yet Jesus Christ came as the suffering servant. But the service that he gives to us is his life. And the call that he makes upon us is that we would live the same way giving our lives over to God. Whoever holds on to their life, Jesus said, will ultimately end up losing it anyway. But if anyone will give their life over to me, I will give my life to them and they will receive the totality of my life. They will receive the totality of my service, the totality of my love. and They will become like me. This is what Jesus made possible 
when he died on the cross, but he did it in a way that cost him everything. The deep groan of Calvary reaches out across the ages. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Matthew 27, Mark 15, and even the book of Luke also testifies to this. And when he gave up his spirit, he did so with a loud cry. I talked on Friday evening about how that physically required something almost inconceivable to us of Jesus, because after hours and hours and hours of the most excruciating torment and pain, Jesus, who was hanging on the cross, had to lift himself up physically because the weight of his own body would have been crushing his rib cage, would have been crushing his, his lungs. We can see right now in this present moment what it's like when people cannot fill their lungs with air, when they need assistance. That's why people have to go onto ventilators because they can't fill their own lungs with breath. That's the kind of condition that Jesus was in. He his lungs were filling with fluid that was streaming from the organs of his body. The fact that when they pierced his side with the, with the spear, blood and water flowed out, that is a, a medical indicator that the pericardial sac that surrounded his heart had been filled with fluid and blood because his, his organs were shutting down and uh, this fluid was invading his, uh, his, uh, the, the, that natural sac that surrounds the heart. Jesus was dying in an excruciatingly painful way in which he could not even catch his breath. In order to cry out in that loud voice, he had to, with the last ounce of human strength remaining to him, and with all the faith within him, rise up by pressing down on his feet and lifting up with his hands the places, the very places where nails had been drilled into his body through nerve bundles that meant to, that to do that was to cause excruciating nerve pain, was to strain literally ripped muscles, was to force ruptured blood vessels with the last remaining drops of blood to, to uh, once again be stretched and strained. It's a physical trauma that you and I can hardly imagine. And it's in the midst of an emotional and psychological trauma that goes beyond anything that any human being has ever experienced other than Jesus Christ. And he did this to cry out to the Lord his cry of faith, the deep groan by which he would give his faith and spirit to the Lord. I believe that Jesus did this for us. I believe he did this because it was the last remaining gesture of his faith in the Lord for us, of his trust in the Lord for us, of his gift of the fullness of his life for us. And when he did that, Everything that could be shaken shook. The earth, the temple, the rocks split, the curtain split, tombs were opened, and people who had died in the faith of the Lord rose in the faith of the Lord and went and shared the truth of Jesus Christ. They made known to people that God has fulfilled a promise. You and I have a point of encouragement in this message. You may feel like I can't go on. You may feel like I don't know how I can face tomorrow. You may feel like I'm worn down. I'm worn out. I'm ready to give up. But recognize the reality of what the Apostle Paul said. 
our present sufferings can't compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. And do you know that elsewhere, Paul testified to this reality that Jesus died in hope. Though he despised the shame of the cross, he was willing to go to the cross for the hope of the glory that would be revealed. And that glory is not just Jesus being resurrected. It's Jesus being resurrected as the firstborn of many brethren. It's the glory that you and I could share with him. The night before he died, as it's recorded in John chapter 17, even over the communion that they participated in, that you and I will partake of in just a few minutes, Jesus prayed, Lord, make those who come to faith in me through the testimony of these here gathered, make them one, even as you, Father, and I are one, that they will share in the glory that you and I shared since before the world began. The glory that Jesus was looking forward to is us together with him. That's the glory that was in his heart, is having you with him in the heart of the Father, in the harvest of heaven. That's the glory that you and I are also looking forward to. And whatever we're experiencing right now, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how bleak, no matter how dark the day, it's nothing to be compared with the bright resurrection light that shines when the sun of healing and righteousness rises, when the bright and morning star that is Jesus Christ rises. Right now, we live and move in a darkened place and we look and see dimly like through a glass darkly. But there is a day coming when we will see him face to face. And when we see him, we will be like him. So take heart, dear ones. Take heart and don't be discouraged. Whatever you're going through right now, the Lord can give you the strength to carry on. Continuing in Romans 8, creation itself is waiting. And what is all the universe waiting for? The unveiling of the children of God. Friend, that's you and me. And if you say, well, I'm not sure that I'm walking as a child of God, that I'm living as a child of God, I don't know that Jesus would claim me as, as one of his own, then you can hear the voice of Jesus making the invitation to you today. And here is what he's saying. Receive it as from him. Dear one, I'm knocking on the door of your heart right now and saying, let me in. My own did not receive me, but as many as will receive me, I give them the right to become the children of God. We know, Paul says in Romans 8, that all creation groans. And those groans, dear ones, that's hurricanes and tornadoes and storms. Sadly, the southeastern United States is forecast to be going to be experiencing many such storms like that even today lord we lift them up to you right now and ask that by your grace and by your protective hand you would limit storms and remove um, their threat that you would protect against damage and destruction of all kinds and certainly against death but what we also recognize is that such things going on in the world around us the 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 huge storm of locusts that is making its way across Africa right now, 
the extraordinary demonstration of earthquakes in places like Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, which are not normative, but which have been taking place. These are labor pains. And COVID-19, this pandemic, is a labor pain. It is all creation showing in every way through the natural activity of the created world, through the social interactions of created beings, even creatures, animals. This, this pandemic probably began in animals and got shared to human beings. And even in the social activity of human beings, the stress, the strain, the warfare, the disruption, the disagreement, the disunit, disunity, discord, all of these things, wars and rumors of wars, storms and famines, natural disasters, and the elements are labor pains that show that creation is grappling with a reality, which is that there is a new birth to come. And we have, Paul continues in verse 23, the first fruits of that new birth already. Jesus, who rose from the grave, ascended to the Father so that you and I could receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit himself groans. All of these are the deep groans. Jesus on the cross, you and I in our life, creation all around us, and the Holy Spirit within us groaning too deep to be uttered, but groaning prayers that say, Lord, Lord, help. Yes, the Holy Spirit speaks to himself, even as Jesus prayed to the Father. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And within the community of God, he intercedes for us, the church of Christ. And what does he pray? That all things work together for the good of those who receive him, who believe in him, who love him, and recognize that they have been called according to his purposes. Now look, because here is the harvest of heaven. All these themes that we've been talking about, are you looking at your screen? Capture this if you can. There is present suffering, but there is glory deeper within it. Beneath the surface, there is glory. There's suffering on the surface, but there's glory underground. There is suffering in the, in the process of labor pains, but within the womb of God, the children of God are, are gestating, are, are growing, ready for the coming of, of childbirth. The opening of the tomb is an opening of the womb. And just like the opening of the womb is with broken water and shed blood and lots of groans and cries. I've been there in the uh, delivery room. I must say that my wife Hazel was a champion uh, uh, at delivering babies because she didn't groan or cry very much. But when she did groan, it was a deep groan. But I heard the groans and cries of women all around because in that delivery unit, there are other mothers as well. And all around me, there was the sound that gives evidence to this. Children do not enter into this world without pain on the part of a parent and most specifically, obviously, a mother. But there is joy. There is joy as soon as that child comes. There is joy in the spirit, and it's a first fruit of a joy that is yet to come. So we groan inwardly, and even God groans deeply. But what is going to grow out of that is that all things work together for good. Here again, the unknown Christ is making himself known. He made the world. He came to the world. He was rejected by the world. 
but he saved the world so that as many as would believe in him as savior would become children of God. You and I are the fruit that is shown. And so I'm coming to the conclusion of today's message. And in doing so, I want to draw our attention to a few passages in Revelation that describe the, the fruit of the harvest. This says, uh, this is a, a typo. This says Revelation 8, it should be Romans 8, because it, it gives an undergirding to this notion of Jesus as the firstborn. In Romans 8, 29, it says, for those whom God called, he also ordained to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is the verse that immediately follows that familiar passage that we just said. God works all things together for good for those who are his children. And how do we know that we are children of God? Because Jesus is the firstborn, the firstborn from the grave and the firstborn to promise the first fruit of the spirit. And we have received the spirit and therefore we can know that we also are children of God. In Revelation chapter one, John alone on the island of Patmos, talk about quarantine. He was there as a prisoner but he couldn't see anyone else because he was alone. He couldn't talk to anyone else because he was alone. He had been placed on that island by the Roman Empire as punishment for being a leader of the early Christian church and being an evangelist, which uh, went against the law of Rome at that time. So he was imprisoned alone. He didn't have Zoom. He didn't have FaceTime. He didn't have anyone but the Lord. And on the Lord's day, on a Sunday, perhaps, it doesn't say it, it simply says he was on, it was on the Lord's day. But I wonder if it might even have been this Lord's day because of all the Lord's days, which is always Sunday, every Sunday that rolls around is the Lord's day. But of all of them, Easter Sunday is most preeminently the Lord's day. It is the eighth day, if you will. It is a beginning of a new age. Perhaps it was even on that Sunday that John on Patmos in worship saw Jesus Christ, heard Jesus Christ. Jesus came to him as he looked to the Lord and Jesus gleaming white, brighter than any sun, brighter than any light spoke and said, that I am the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the earth. Even in that statement, there is a resurrection truth being revealed. The resurrection truth of the maker of the world who died because he was rejected by the world, who died for the sins of a disobedient world who had already rejected God, and yet who rose again with this promise that all who would believe in him would rise again in him as well, that whoever accepts him becomes like him. Because if he is the firstborn, it means that you and I are genetically related to Christ. We are of one blood with him and of one blood with the father. One blood, one father, one spirit, one savior, one body, one resurrection. That's the greater that is yet to come. 
That's the truth that we'll find when we look beneath the surface. That's the truth that we will see when we look beyond the grave. That is the truth that is coming to reckon with all the world. Because he who came before is coming again. He is coming to all, even as he came to all before. But there is a difference. This time, when he comes, he will come on the clouds of glory. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Now there will not be any opportunity to deny him, but any who did deny him will be denied by him. That's a hard truth. I wouldn't share it if it weren't true, but it is what Christ himself has said. And so he has said to those of us who believe in him, look behind the clouds. Even if you cannot yet see Christ coming in the flesh, see him coming in the spirit because he is coming. This truth has not changed and we are to live in the light of that truth. To live in the light of the reality that Christ is the firstborn from the dead and also the faithful witness warrior. The one who bears witness to this truth and does so with the word of his mouth, which is the sword of the spirit, so that he will put down anything and everything that has exalted itself against him. No ruler will stand against Christ the King because he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the final King of eternity. Look at what Revelation chapter one says. Look, he is coming with the clouds. This is a statement that John hears alone on that island of Patmos, but John who didn't have the benefit of you version, he didn't even likely have a written Bible there with him, had the word in his heart because he was a man who had studied the word and committed it to his memory. Do you and I have the word within us in such a way that if it is taken away from us, if our phones die, if social networks go down, if we don't have a printed Bible, will we still have the word of God within us? The word of God is active and alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and it will penetrate into your very being but not if you do not receive it. The word has come to you and I, as many as will receive it, will have it living within. But if we do not receive it, we do not have it. Here is what the word said from, from of old. Daniel chapter seven was written hundreds of years before the time of Christ. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Zechariah said, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All peoples on earth will mourn become, because of him so shall it be. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the one who was and is and is to come. He's the firstborn of the dead and he is a mighty ruling king. He came on the back of a donkey signifying peace on Palm Sunday. But Revelation 19 describes how he comes on a white war horse and its rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. Are you upset about injustice in the world? Are you distressed because of economic inequality? Do you, do you grieve over the unrighteousness of society? Do you uh, take deep pain from the fact that, that governments and authorities often operate wrongly? Are you distressed because people in society often break rules and create disorder? Then recognize this. The white horse and rider is Christ Jesus, and he comes with justice. He will set things in balance. 
I talked earlier in this service about how lightning comes down from heaven to strike the earth and something of the earth reaches up to receive it. Do you know, I'm no expert in lightning, but I know enough about electrical theory to recognize this. It has to do with the negative positive charge and there being an overload of imbalance in that equation in the atmosphere. Jesus Christ will come like lightning from one side of the sky to the other. No one will have to tell you he's here because when he arrives, the whole world will know and he will come to bring balance, to set into right order that which has been disordered and to bring into right balance that which has been imbalanced. He is the faithful witness, but he is still an unknown Christ. Verse 12, he has a name written on him that no one knows except he himself. You and I know that he is the word of God. You and I know that he is king and king and Lord of lords, but only those who belong to him will ever be given his new name. Elsewhere in Revelation, he says that he will give you a new name that no one knows. Many scholars think, and I agree, that the name that Jesus has that no one knows and the name that he promises to you that no one knows are the same name. In other words, I believe that what Jesus is promising is this, you and I will be one. Wherever you're at right now, you couldn't be more isolated than John was on Patmos. But today, Jesus Christ is coming to you and he's saying, no one in the world knows me unless I reveal myself to them, but I will reveal myself to anyone who will receive me. I'm knocking on the door and saying, will you let me in? If you walk with me and you know me, then be encouraged in this. I know you. And when you see me, you'll know me and I'll know you. But if you don't know me and you don't walk with me, then you need to come to me today because I'm coming soon. And when I come, those who don't know me, I won't know them and I won't recognize them. Revelation 22, Jesus is the final king of eternity. The angel that was speaking prophetically to John on Patmos at that point says, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the holy person continue to be holy. Hear what the Lord is saying through his messenger is this. People are going to be who they're going to be. If you would be holy and righteous, come to me. But if you will not come to me, then you keep doing what you're doing. But recognize this. I am coming soon and my reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to who they are and according to what they do. So if you are doing wrong, I'm going to come to you, says the Lord, and I'm going to come with a sword and I'm going to come on a horse and I'm going to come to rule and reign and I'm going to set right what was wrong. And if you're doing wrong, I'm going to come against you and you won't be able to stand against me. But if you are trusting in me, I will make you holy. I'll clothe you in my clothes. I'll clean you with my blood. I'll name you with my name. I'll give you my voice, my face. I'll make you my own. And when I come, I will receive you to myself. Friend, look beneath the surface today. Look beyond the grave. Look behind the clouds. And hear what John wrote to the church 
And I'm going to ask if you've got communion elements that you bring them there because we're going to conclude with these words. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. This is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. That is what we are. We are children of God. The world doesn't recognize it. Don't expect the world to recognize it. The world didn't know him. He was the unknown Christ. You are the unknown Christian. The world thought they knew Christ, and the world still thinks it knows Christ. I mentioned earlier in this series that if you talk to people on the street and say, do you know who Jesus is? Most everyone will say, sure, I know who Jesus is. But the reality is that many, many, many can tell you things about Christ, but they don't know him. Let that not be true of you and I. Let it not be true that we would say, oh, Lord, Lord, like the crowds that cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. But that Jesus would come and say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall be saved, but only those who do the will of my Father. So do the will of the Lord, and the Lord will know who you are. Verse 2, dear friends, we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been revealed. But verse 3, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And when we see him, we will be like him. All we who have this hope in him are purified, just as he is pure. In other words, you and I, can never make ourselves holy. I say, do the things of the Lord. And you think, all right, I'm going to try and do the things of the Lord. But no amount of trying has ever been successful for you or I, has it? You and I still struggle with sin. You and I still fail and falter. You and I still recognize the reality that we are broken, fallen people. Our holiness doesn't come from trying to be good. It certainly cannot come from trying to be bad. It comes from dying to all those things and letting the resurrection life of Jesus Christ come alive in us today, that by his holiness, we would be made whole, that by his blood, we would be purified, and that through his body that was broken and his body that was sown like a seed into the earth, and his body that rose up again, transformed and glorified, you and I would be transformed, glorified. When you look at these, when you look at this bread, take yours and hold it before you. You don't see what is really here unless you look beneath the surface. Because in this bread, something deeper is going on. It's the death of Jesus Christ and his death is being traded for yours. As you and I consume this bread, what we are eating is the life of the Lord given to us so that we would not have to die an eternal death. Lord, we receive your body that we would be one body with you. On the night that he was betrayed, 
by one of us. Just like all of us have betrayed him. Jesus said, here's a cup. Not just the blood of the grape, but the blood of the Lord. My blood. Shed for you and for many. For the remission of sins. Every time we've sinned, it's like an act of bloodshed in the eyes of the Lord. The very first the Lord said when Cain murdered his brother Abel, that Abel's blood cried out from the earth for justice. Now Jesus' blood cries out. And what Jesus prayed was this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you and I receive this, we don't just receive the blood of the grape. Something better is going down. It is the blood of the Lord that speaks better things. And as we receive it in the name of Jesus Christ, we receive this truth. Something greater is yet to come. Beloved, in these days, we may think that we've seen trials and troubles, but there are greater trials and troubles ahead. And yet, there is a greater truth even than that. God will work all things together for good to those who have received him. I pray that everyone who is streaming with us or receiving this message in any way at any time would receive the truth of the Lord his life and love given to you. Friend, open your heart to him once again today as we conclude. Tell him, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Place your love and your life within me. Make me holy and pure for you. And I determine that I will live not for myself, but for you, by your power, by your spirit, in your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord is risen today. Amen. May your Easter celebrations be greatly blessed. May your week be safe and protected, provided for by the Lord and filled with his peace. Go in the grace and the glory of the Lord. We look forward to being with you again on our Zoom prayer meeting call at 7 p.m. Pacific this Wednesday. We look forward to partnering with you in prayer every evening at 7 p.m. as part of our COVID-1900 time. And we wish you a very, very happy Easter. Maligayang uh, Pasco. God bless you all. Happy Resurrection Sunday. See you Wednesday, 7 p.m. God love bless. You. Love you. Bye-bye.